Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Catholic End Podcast. My name is JB. I'm here with my co-host, producer, um, and magical person who runs our social media, uh, Matt. Oh, I got going, a, Matt. I got a promotion this episode. Great. Hello. Yeah, just just, just this one. one. Um, welcome back um, for our old friends and new friends. Um, blue friends and red friends i don't know i don't know where i was going with that sentence um dr seuss went into my head um yeah just welcome back and we're here with our next guest um this next future saint um brian and i'm gonna let him introduce himself and uh we'll get this party rolling hi everyone uh my name is brian and guys so much uh for having me uh it's a real uh, i guess pleasure to you know be able to talk about like the intersection of Catholicism, content creation, and video games, as I think it's something that should be in the back of a lot of our minds. And so I'm really excited to kind of explore that with you guys here on the show. It's definitely a topic that I could spend years talking about, you know, and so I appreciate you guys giving me this opportunity. And hello to everybody out there uh, listening. I appreciate, uh, you know, all you, and hopefully you guys, uh, I don't know where this podcast specifically is, so like, subscribe, be sure to share it out. Always got to get those call to actions in content creation. It's the best way. If you enjoy this show, share it with somebody you know, your veterinarian, your dentist. You never know who's going to thank you for having not just this episode, mind you, like the entire show. Um, share it. And uh, you'll 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 get some graces, uh, I'm told. <laughs> Amazing. Brian, would you? To do our outro every single time. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. This has been an amazing podcast. You should be sure uh, to high five a mother in law wherever you find her, uh, and also be sure to tune into the next episode. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. I'm clipping that. That's it. There we go. We have all of season three's outros done. <laughs> done Happy to help, gentlemen. Happy to help. Before uh, we hop in, um, We'll, we'll go through a little icebreaker question. Okay. We're going to go with um, your all-time favorite video game. Uh, I have, Brian, go yeah, for it. Okay. Yeah, it's like all-time favorite video game is such a good question because at its core, it cuts to the root of every gamer out there because everybody remembers like that first real experience where you're like, there is something magical going on here. Um, I, If I was going to rank my all-time favorite video game, it actually wouldn't rank high as high as certain video games and this is what i get to it my all-time favorite video game right is final fantasy 3 aka final fantasy 6 uh, i was released in north america as final fantasy 3 and final fantasy 2 brought me in because i didn't actually like final fantasy 1 uh, but final fantasy 6 is that moment that i it is ingrained into me as a player playing it with my friends how my mom surprised me with that game there's so much there that it's it's such a great game. It also helped me learn to read. Final Fantasy II did that. I'm hyper dyslexic. So playing those games was really integral into allowing me to actually be able to communicate more effectively. Not I'm not the best. It's, a, it's an odd career to be in content creation and, uh, you know, misspeak miss all the time. But uh, people get used to it, I guess. But uh, Final Fantasy VI would not actually be my all-time favorite Final Fantasy game. Uh, because that's a separate uh, you know, list rated off of different principles, right? So, because uh, then we would get into tactics. Final Fantasy twelve, I think, is somewhere in there. Final Fantasy nine and seven, obviously, uh, are real are really big. But uh, you know, and when it comes down to it, like that list, I feel is always kind of like changing in a way. Um, but no, my answer to your specific question is Final Fantasy six, and hopefully, you got some reasoning 
out of my random <laughs> rambling there. No, That's I, great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. How about uh, you guys? What, like, because this is, I don't want this just to be about the Brian, you know, and oh, you're as good. a guest. Like, you're good. Let's go you're around good. the horn. Uh, Matthew, like, what's your all time favorite uh, game? And then JB. You're absolutely right about the whole idea of that it's it's not just the game itself, that it comes pre packaged with a lot of background and context. So for me, it's going to be the very first Halo. And oh, yeah. It, it's mm. coming packaged with that. That's the first game that I remember being able to play well, not just play, but actually like. Be okay. pretty, be pretty adequate at it, but it was also, um, man, I can't count the amount of times me and my dad played the co-op campaign all the way through. Like it was, it that's just what we would always you do. You always can't, do. you can't trade that for anything. Like that is such yeah, a yeah. great moment. Right. My dad played games with me up to Mario sixty four, mm. and then he got like ver he mm. has vertigo or whatever. But it, it would once it went to three D, he really struggled with that. Like and so, but he was really like we play games together all the time and so one of the things i have been enjoying is playing games with my, my kids mm -hmm. on that note though i was such an anti-halo guy when it came out because i was <laughs> such a hardcore nintendo fanboy oh, like i'm okay. so glad i've oh, I've, okay. I've matured enough to be like you know all consoles it doesn't matter where you play but i was like at the time i was like man luigi's mansion and we got the you know <laughs> and it also launched with a star wars game and i was like this is great and it's like you know, everybody's talking about hate, like, oh no, like it's Nintendo GameCube. And then it's like, my brother's like, bro, my brother's like seven years younger than me. And he's like, Brant, Brian, you gotta get Halo. Like yeah. you gotta get Halo. I actually bought him Halo. Cause I was like, I hear this is good. Mm. And you got an Xbox cause that's what you wanted. And mm. I don't know why GameCube Nintendo, you know, but it was like, I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'll go ahead and get you this for Christmas. And he was like, oh my gosh, Brian, you gotta get an Xbox. You gotta get Halo. And he eventually convinced me like, nine months later like it wasn't like okay i'll do that it was like no 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 i, I fought i fought it for a while but yeah absolutely <laughs> nice. what about you jb what about you JB? yeah yeah my favorite um game of all time is lord of the rings return of the king um on playstation 2 okay i think um, i remember playing that one it was an action hack and slash yeah exactly yes. oh, action wow. hack and slash yeah and uh, i'm not going to say that it was a good game i know it's not on like the top games on anyone's list but i it's something similar to what matthew said um is that that's the first game that i knew i could be good at it okay. one is could be good at it two there was like some sort of story that i knew i, I loved lord of the rings and i loved all the action scenes and like you know like a lost like taking down the elephant and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then you get to my favorite character was um, Aragorn. And yeah. it was just like me being able to slash through all the orcs and like racking up my kills. It was like, man, this is great. It was, it was, it's so interesting that you picked that game because that's always, that's actually a game that I've wondered why we haven't seen more in that same space. Right. Like, well, I guess it maybe wasn't financially viable or maybe they haven't had the development passion to follow it up but i was always like yeah i thought they were going in a really good direction mm -hmm. because typically and i think the what helped give it strength was that it's obviously the books the movies are based off of books right mm -hmm. as opposed to like mm -hmm. hey we made this movie now we're going to turn out this video game because that was the model back when that game came out like do y'all right. remember the wolverine game yeah like yeah like all these were like <laughs> all these movie based games were like eh, you know they, they were okay it would, but, but and then we didn't have games as services then at the time like so yeah, you would play them and it was like, okay, that was, you know, 
maybe it was a $20 experience. And if you were excited or you got caught up in the advertising, you'd, you'd pay full price for it like a sucker. Uh, but it's like, you know, but ultimately if you ended up waiting, you know, I always, always like, why don't they just release the movie based games like two years after the movie? But it was all this marketing pitch that that was kind of what Hollywood and games had to be at that time. And it's so, I'm so glad we've gotten away from that. I'm going to flip this, uh, the question on you guys mm-hmm. so I can get to know you guys a little bit better. Y'all can get to know me a little bit better. Talk about our favorite uh, game of all time. What's your favorite Catholic holiday, uh, your, your favorite Catholic feast day uh, during the Ooh. year? Nice. Yes. Uh, I thought it was a good question. Ooh, you're throwing <laughs> me under the bus now. You're making me think about it. Matt, I'm going to let you, you go you first. Go, you can, yeah. You can, uh, <laughs> all right. That's fine. The fault of one of the preachers, you know, it's like, oh, Christmas is easier. Feast day, yeah. feast day. I have, let's see, there's so many ways I can rank different, which sounds terrible, <laughs> ranking different feast days on which let's ones better Let's tier list the, the feast days, baby. <laughs> let's tier list those feast days, baby. That's um, right. I've, how, how about this? Um, feast day, the first thing that came to mind, the first off was the Easter Vigil, only because it's a, it's been a new love that I found only recently, having yeah. never known anything about the Easter Vigil, right? Growing up as a kid oh, or anything. Wow. Only yeah. because, and like, I, I was raised Catholic and everything, but like, again, for like small children growing up, like, the Easter Vigil yeah. is a dedicated long time. Like, you're not going to see a lot of little kids because right. it's Especially way US, too late. The only way you see a little kid there is if somebody's coming into the church that's related right. to that child. Right. But like, uh, seasoned Catholics know, like, no, we're not bringing the void. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's like you can tell, like, who's the freshman Catholic here? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we got the family over here. Welcome. Here's some yeah. snacks. <laughs> yeah. So I love, so I, I didn't have that really growing up. Which, really, you know, it's okay. But now having been in a church and now um, being able to really go deep into like how beautiful of a, uh, a uh, of a celebration it is and all the little intricacies that happen within the Easter vigil like now that I can like actually understand actually understand everything it's just absolutely it's beautiful absolutely beautiful nice JB did you come up with your answer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I would say Easter not okay. Easter sorry it's Christmas <laughs> <laughs> My, my mind he was, was going to Easter because we were talking about Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, so it's because of the organs. If you find the right church, you can have the organs blaring. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite songs is Oh, Come All You Faithful. Oh, and so yes, beautiful. Oh, Come All You Faithful, playing on an organ with your church, like, incensed up. That is my, like, that is heaven to me. And that yeah. is why I, it's my, my favorite. <laughs> I, we don't have to get into it, obviously, on, on this podcast, but it's something to kind of explore deeply. My answer is the first Sunday of Advent. Hmm. And the first Sunday of Advent for me as a young man, I, I was always, I was always, I was baptized Catholic. Hmm. I was always just Catholic, right? Like, I, you know, and I, I believed things even before I felt like I was taught them and all that. And uh, I remember going through high school, I uh, went to actually a very anti-Catholic high school. So I was told, my teachers and staff, but I was going to hell and, you know, like I was constantly being challenged on my faith, which in my personality actually worked really well. Cause it was like, I kind of had to go learn why, you know, like had to go learn uh, my faith in that regards. Like, well, why does the Catholic church teach that? Um, but I remember I ended up getting like, uh, injured and I ended up like tearing my, like 
uh, MCL and I really couldn't walk for a while. And I fell into this deep depression in which that I felt like I call it my atheistic period uh, because it's like, I just never, I didn't feel God anymore where my whole life before that, I was like, I've always felt the love of God uh, through just, just life. Right. And all of a sudden like that was gone in an instant. And so that actually persisted for quite a while. And what I ended up doing during that period was, well, I said, I don't even God, but I know he's there. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to like, you know, I think of it like a gym, right? Like, all right, well, I'm still going to show up. I'm still going to show up. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to struggle through whatever this is. I don't know why I'm going through this. Like this, you know, I'm having a hard time walking right now. Like it was just a lot, especially for like a young teenager. Right. And I was, uh, and months later, like this persisted like for September, October, November. And then we get to the first Sunday of Advent. And God just hit me with the Holy Spirit so hard, so hard. I, I, I start to get teary when I reflect on it because it, it, it physically hurts. Like it, it was so intense that I can remember how like it was this, this insane love that I felt in an instant that I actually almost had to leave church. I, I was at mass. I almost had to leave because I could not contain myself. All of a sudden, there's this teen, this teenager, you know, at mass, and he's crying and laughing, you know. And I'm like, so I ended up just excusing myself to the back, right? Because I'm not trying to make a spectacle here, but I still, to that day, like remember the first of Advent uh, for that gift that I was given of just that that is an immense grace. And it's actually like when you look at why things happen. I always kind of think about it. It's like when you're in it, it's kind of hard to see, right? Like it's, you can kind of be so like, tr- the goal is to not be individualistic. Like the goal isn't to say, why me? And the goal is to say, why not me? Like, why am I not suffering? Right. Um, you know, because it's like, yeah, <laughs> it, it rains on everybody, the good and the bad. Like, it, you know, we you can get so individualistic that you, fo- you, you forget to, to focus on Christ. But in this case, like God gave me this gift so that when I see other people who go through that or who struggle or who don't believe, it's like in a way that God has given me a gift of empathy because I did experience that, you know, that void, that, that emptiness, that darkness. And then now at the same time was also blessed enough to experience that, like that grace. And so I thoroughly remember that. And we just obviously celebrated the first Sunday of Advent. So I'm always very excited about about that and the fact that we actually got to go back to mass for this one last year was a big you know it was a big old weird year for everybody you know so it was like all right it's a little bit different but anyway that's uh that was my question to you guys i think i know you guys a little bit better now no that was awesome i i absolutely love that and, and again i was just i was actually just talking with somebody about how um Advent is is something that is like easily overlooked for for a lot of people just because the secularization of Christmas is just in everyone's front no matter where you go wherever you're driving if you go to the store or like if you're just even online like it's just you know right. it's, it's all Christmas all the time it feels like as soon as things feel things like. over and um, they were saying how much of a struggle it was and you know but how much they loved Advent so like again to hear you talk about um, that the first Sunday um, of Advent it was such a pivotal moment in your life for that. I just think that's that's very beautiful. Yeah, Advent is a, a is a mini Lent. Just to anybody who doesn't know that, it's like mm-hmm. you know try to make some you know small you know sacrifices uh, during this time because then it becomes it ends up making I think Christmas a little bit 
more of a joyous, you know, celebration. And as a season, you know, it's not a, it's not a day, you know, it's, it's a season of Christmas. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, it, it, yeah, it, it, you gotta make a conscious effort and I'm not, and I, I feel like, you know, obviously like all of us hypocrites here, uh, you know, it's like, you know, he always gonna be like, uh, here's the, what I strive to be. And please don't judge my homework. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, Brian, let's go ahead and um, get right. In. I, I I feel like it was it, it, it's already awesome, um, but let's kind of uh, backtrack a little bit. We can even start, you know, right after um, uh, your story there. But can you kind of give us a, a couple minutes of like a lead up up to where you are now? Um, maybe even sure. just kind of hit the highlights of of what you where you are in kind of your career, how the faith again, just kind of like you said, has kind of impacted that. Um, and yeah, whatever else you'd like to share. Well, like I said, um, you know, like my faith has been with me since I was a baby. I've always known, you know, that. And it's been like I would always describe my DNA as Catholic. Right. Uh, And for me, that's it's it's something that I struggle with, like every like anybody. Like it's like, you know, uh, a relationship with Christ. What does that mean? How am I executing on that? What does that look like as a lay person? You know, so like and then essentially as somebody who um, has a passion for it and, and did discern the priesthood, uh, which was really nice. I, I didn't go, well, I, I wasn't fully registered in seminary, but I did a couple of retreats up with the various seminarians as I was just discerning. And God continued to say that it wasn't my calling. And to be honest, like that was uh, kind of disappointing. Like it was, there was a part of me that, you know, I was like, oh man, I like there, there's a joy that I have there. There's a passion um, that, it, that exists. But um, so I guess just to try to hit the high notes, like I was, I was born. I'm the oldest of my family. Um, my my parents are Catholic. I, I think I've been very blessed to have them. Uh, you know, through through that. In fact, uh, it's, I see uh, a couple of things. Is I see lots of different evidence for God. And one of them is my dad. Uh, he uh, he struggles with like uh, social anxiety. Like he physically gets like ill. And to see him get up and speak on the Holy Spirit and on Jesus and on Mary and teach for me is a massive amount of evidence of the Holy Spirit. Like it's not my dad who's up there. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ living within my father that has him do that. And then it's, uh, it's something that's always something I've seen. And like I like kind of alluded to earlier, like during my high school, like I was always able to go to my parents, my dad, and my mom and, and like ask questions, right? They were always very approachable. And, and it, it doesn't mean that they were all knowing, right? Like, they were like, oh, I don't know. Let's go find out, right? Like, you know, our faith doesn't necessarily mean like I have to have all the answers ready to go when anybody asks at any point in time. Like an acceptable answer is, I don't know, but I'm going to go find that out. That's a really interesting question. And to be okay answering that, right? And to have that conversation. So uh, it was really, I think, a good experience for me to be where I was, especially in high school, because it allowed me to dive deeper into more of the technical knowledge not the heart knowledge not that relationship knowledge which like and i i love the school i went to like i say it was anti-catholic it was a christian high school it was a very like undenominational which always for me is in my mind it's a denom like that's a denomination <laughs> you're just not trying to you're not trying to put a, a like a, a cool tag on it you're trying to be like hip i don't know um but essentially like it's like you know it's you know like looking at that and they are my brothers and sisters in christ and i did come out of high school angry like i'm not gonna you know sit here and say like Oh, and I learned so much about the faith. Like I came out of high school angry because I was, I was, and I was tired 
Uh, and I ended up going to a Catholic university where I got uh, a baseball scholarship and, and played baseball for, for the, there for three years until I hurt my shoulder. And then I finished up because uh, I was always going for like programming and technology because I knew I was like, well, I like, I like technology. I like programming. Uh, I want to make video games. And I studied game development after uh, that, yeah, after St. Greg's, uh, which has since unfortunately closed down, which was a heartbreaking thing to see a couple years ago. But um, went to Catholic University. I thought I was going to get married. I thought I was going to meet my wife there. My parents were high school sweethearts. They got married in college. I was like, okay, this is, you know, and that didn't happen. I didn't meet my wife until years and years uh, later. And we got married uh, later in my 20s. And then um, anyway, so I went to school, started working in hospitals and technology, uh, continued to work and ended up like probably most people getting uh, laid off like uh, in 2008 with the big, big recession is all that kind of shifted and I'm getting another job, building out some, you know, software, uh, you know, uh, enterprise software solutions and, um, and, and did that for years until my dad like told me like, you need to quit because I was working 60 to 80 hours and it was just like, it wasn't really good for me. Uh, during that time, uh, me and my friend, we'd always call each other up and start talking video games and eventually we we're like, we should just record this and, and post this online. And we did and, and nobody watched and that was okay. It was just like, all right. But we ended up just like, I just started like doing little things. People would always ask me questions because I like I have a passion for video games, I always have. It's one of the reasons I went into technology to study it. And I would always just like, okay, I'd, I'd write up these personal guides for people. And then I started kind of uh, transitioning that into like video form and start making like, hey, Brian, how do you do this and blah, blah, blah. So, okay, let me just show you. It turns out a lot of people have that same question. A lot of people are interested in that. And so then started getting discovered and started growing which was exciting. And so uh, since then, I've kind of learned a lot about what is uh, content creation and what is social media. And so uh, like my career essentially is I, I'm an independent software engineer. And uh, so I'm, I, you know, work with, you know, companies big and small uh, to help, you know, fix massive amounts of problems with technical debt or like just like, oh my gosh, like you had a disgruntled employee and you ran everything off of this Excel spreadsheet. And okay, like let's get you into it like an actual solution now that you're no longer a one man shop, but you're this enterprise and you're still like big companies that you're like, why is this, you know, like how, you know, and so I've learned that a lot like outside what people, what people show on the surface, you know, usually like we got it all together and then I come in, I'm usually the guy behind the scenes. So it's like, oh man, everything's on fire. Let me just, you know, let me build out a plan and let's get a roadmap. So that's what pays the bills and content creation allows me to express my artistic side because also I do cartoons and illustrations. Haven't actually in a while, but I was uh, published in the Catholic uh, newspaper in North Texas for a while. And that was really exciting to be able to kind of like draw, you know, funny cartoons, you know, that, you know, around the faith and, uh, and things like that. And they've since gone into a different direction and my, my Wacom tablet since died. So I'm Hoping to save up, maybe Santa will bring me a Wacom tablet for Christmas. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if any. I've said it, but who knows if anybody's actually heard it? So we'll see. <laughs> it's like, all right. Like, if nothing else, I'll just I'll save up and, and get that in 2022, and hopefully get back to some illustrations. But um, I, I found a great passion, and in almost a way, an addiction. You know, there's some dangers in content creation. Uh, part of my personality is very. I love to finish things, and so there. The, the idea that there was nothing that existed. And then I worked on some, I wrote a script and then I did this and I put it together and then it brought people joy, uh, can be very addictive. And so the, one of the things that I also have to work on within this spectrum, right, is to know, you know, is to know that it's okay not to post, that it's okay, that I don't have to, um, my career, my livelihood is not based off of this. 
Uh, and as long as I tell myself that, and then I have on my board, like my mission statement. Um, so I, I can always look over here and reflect on my mission statement. Uh, that way I can try to keep things into context, especially as it relates to what is a husband, a father, a provider, a content creator, a Catholic, and all of those things, you know, I'm not one of those things. Nobody probably listening to this is one thing. And out of all of that, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is that I should be a saint. Out of everything, everybody listening, the thing that drives me nuts is somebody's like, I can't be a saint. You were created to be a saint. Everybody who can hear my voice right now, you were made for that. That's why you exist. Figure it out. <laughs> Come up with a game plan. Like, I see people, they talk themselves out of it. They talk themselves out of it. Like, have you seen our saints? He doesn't call perfect people because there was one perfect person. Does that answer the question at all? Yes. Oh my gosh. No, it's soapbox. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. I love it. And again, just just like you said, that like this idea of of sainthood. I don't. I I and this is something that JB and I have talked about a lot. Is that we don't know where this idea that sainthood was so unobtainable, but everything that the church has has said and continues to say is that it is and should be obtainable right and that there just are things that we can do to become saints and just like you said that's the entire goal like and it always has been that we would be saints so um so this idea of having to to do an uphill battle like yeah it'll be an uphill battle because you know we fall and we do bad things but that doesn't mean that we are bad we are meant to be saints so yeah no you said it you said it beautifully uh, one thing I wanted to, to then go into was kind of now um, kind of focus in on on this uh, on your content creation. We've talked to um, uh, uh, Catholic content creators and I want to ask you what does it what how would you respond to say if somebody asked you um, what does it mean to be a content creator that is Catholic? Um, my biggest problem with Christians, is they confuse themselves for the shepherd. And what I mean by that and how I believe that I think starts to answer your question is that my job is not to be the shepherd. My job is to be a sheep. And maybe at best, maybe at some point, maybe a sheepdog in that regards. Mm. My job is to love people for who they are, where they are. And there's going to be a natural friction with anything, right? Video games highlight that natural friction. Hmm. You go put a tier list on the internet and you're going to get some mean comments. <laughs> and it's just an opinion, but people are passionate, right? Hmm. The goal isn't to sit here and, and I think for me, like the way I view it, and hopefully I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say like, here is the model. Hmm. But the goal is just to love everybody for who they are. And essentially, like I don't hide my faith. I don't need to go and sit here and, you know, like, teach people Catholicism, but there's been multiple opportunities where it comes up where I can pray for people and I'll do that on a live stream. I'll do, uh, you know, people will say they're having a hard time and I'll let them know like, hey, can I pray for you? Uh, you know, in the comments, can I offer my mass up for you in that regards? Uh, like, like I said, like, I don't see my, myself and my Catholic faith as two separate entities. Like, I don't believe in 
you know, we'll keep your, you know, keep your Catholic self, you know, in church on Sundays. And then the rest of the day, you know, you're just Brian. It's like, no, no, no. Like, like, who do I aspire to be? I aspire to be a saint. What am I called to be? My, my, and then I look at what Christ is and what, you know, you look at the gift of God. God is a giver. Mm-hmm. You know, he made us in his image. So we start to factor in like, well, what is his image, right? Like you can sit here and say, well, like he's this, you know, bearded, you know, guy who's reaching out to Adam and, you know, like from the Sistine Chapel and like, no, 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 no. No, like look at our qualities, right? Look at the, what, what the Holy Spirit and, you know, what it, what it gives us in terms of these gifts. And that's who we are. And so we're called to be givers and we're called to be lovers and we're called to be sacrifice, uh, sacrificial. We're called, called to be sacramental and we're called to be these things. None of which in my mind, it's not at least how I, as a lay person am, maybe there's like, you know, you could say there's varieties of roles, right? Cause at some point, like you have to say like, no, that is like, we can't like support that. Right. You know, like I, you want to go, you know, murder your mother, you know, like, no, I, like let's, I can't, I can't love, love you and say there's a concept of tough love. No, don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside essentially that, like, especially in the realm of video games, I think it offers a unique opportunity that we can talk about Jesus while we talk about Mario. We can talk about Jesus while we play Final Fantasy, which is a very religious game in which it talks about, you know, like these more uh, Eastern themes of yin and yang in terms of good and evil and how they're interwoven. But ultimately, like, you know, people label it like as an anti-religious story. And it's like, honestly, no, I I, I view all Final Fantasy games as a very anti extremist story you know blind like blind faith is dangerous like when i when i hear people like you know in, in the christian my you know christian brothers and sisters you know especially when i know them like the closer i am to you it will is how i ha- i'll handle you differently in that regards so like if we're sitting here in a men's group over and over again and i know you and you're and you come to me and you're like yeah you know you just sometimes you got to believe it blindly i'll be like hell no man blind faith is wrong like God gave you reason. God gave you a brain. He gave you logic. We can discern this. We don't necessarily, and some things we have to accept as just straight up mystery, but that isn't tied to blind faith. That is like, okay, blind faith is like, oh, I heard it from, you know, this one person, therefore I'm going to believe and carry it forward. I mean, that is a a human problem we've dealt with with all time. And it's only, it still exists today. You know, when you see people are like, I saw a headline, must be true. It's like, okay, buddy, let's... (laughs) Come on, let's, you know, let's use let's the facilities. Let's use, and, and that's one of the things I'm so thankful for, like in terms of my, my Catholic education, my, like I had a nun and she, uh, like we're at St. Greg's and she was like, question everything, question everything. And then question the, you know, like just keep asking questions like who, oh, there's a study who paid for the study. Well, who, well, what was the person's motivation behind paying for the study? What were they hoping to get out of the study? Like, does it like just keep digging and digging and digging? Because if you just accept everything on the surface, like at the end of the day, you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you'd be, but, uh, you know, you maybe be, you know, neck and deep in debt for, you know, various different crypto scams. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> so it's important that I, like, I, I, I do like, yeah, like I, I really enjoy um, my content creator side in terms of my Catholic faith and people recognize that sometimes like it's never purpose, but sometimes my scapular like will just like kind of pop itself up like in a video. It's like it just that just happens. It's like me, like I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna at this at two minutes, my cro- you'll see a cross on my neck. Uh, but it's like you know, like I don't hide it, and it's always really neat to see when people come in to the comments, be like, is that a scapular? 
like, wait a minute, like, and and I will use Catholic language. I'll use, you know, the uh, like, you know, hey, Saint so and so, or like da da da, and this and this, and now it's the, you know, like if it's relevant to the conversation, and I always find that you know God opens up those those opportunities, and uh, you know, at the end of the day. I'm, he's got me doing this. And at some point, maybe he'll have me stop. Mm. And that's also, that's mm. also important that it's, you know, one of my mantras for uh, my channel, which if you don't mind me plugging it, is called yeah. Ginger Prime on YouTube. Um, you know, one of the, one of my channels, I have multiple, I have all these little things. I'm like, I get, I get, I love analytics and I'm a math guy. So I'm like, oh, this is neat. Um, but one of the, the things is it's not about me. It's a, it's, a, it's a core mantra. I always try to point, I always try to highlight something or somebody, you know, that I think is doing something interesting as best I can. And that's like the core aspect. Like it, it can't be about me. If it's, if it's all about me, then what is it worth? Like, I don't think it's worth much. That's just my opinion. No, that was great for, for, um, so that everybody knows the, the, and I love that you brought it up because, um, because I um, was watching a final, one of your final fantasy videos and I took a screenshot of it and I immediately texted JB and said, JB, Please tell me, does this look like a scapular to you? Because it looks like one to me. We got to talk to him and boom, here we are. So yeah, so like you're, you're visible and I don't even think you were even, I mean, you were just talking about, you know, a new, uh, a new expansion release or something. like, you know, nothing related to, to Catholicism at that moment. And, um, but just like a visible, like you said, like people will just notice things and like, you can just, you can just be Catholic without having to like verbally do a lot. Um, and that still provides like a really good witness. Well, thank you. I'm, you know, I'm always, uh, you know, always trying to be conscious of it. Because back to the sainthood thing, right? Mm-hmm. There is an aspect of attention, and I've talked to John Blevins about this a little bit. Taylor Scroll. I don't know if you guys uh, know Taylor as well. He hopes uh, Catholic Forte podcast. Really great guys. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to know them. Um, you know, but you think about it is that there is a visible aspect to it mm-hmm. in this regards. And so there's always this question in my mind, you know, because I do enjoy attention, like I think anybody would, you know, in that regards. But maybe, you know, like obviously I'm more extroverted naturally in that in that space. But there's the the idea is that like, am I drawing attention to me or am I drawing attention to Christ? And that's actually the struggle that I had as I was discerning the priesthood. It's that like I felt that I could not cons- you know, consecrate the the Eucharist without having the sense of like, look at me. And that's what God kept putting on my heart and why, like, I just kept feeling, he said, no, like, Brian, you're not, you know, like, and then I was like, man, how, how dangerous would that be? If here I am as a priest, like everybody looking at me, Mm. you know, like that's, that scares me. That scares me. And that's one of the things I was like, oh, so when it comes down to this space, right, this is a new space. This is a new public square. And it's such an interesting conversation because you can, you know, like, what is it? G.K. Chesterton said, like, you know, Catholics agree on everything. It's just everything else we disagree on, you know, and it's like, this is a space of debate. This is a space where I think we need to have these debates. This is a space that we need Catholic presence in. Um, but there, what's the regulation of the body here? Like, how is it like, you know, if anybody can come and, you know, make any Catholic church on any corner, like, is it truly Catholic in that regards? there is a risk of misinformation. And that's one of the things that like, I appreciate about the church typically being very slow when it comes to things like that. And, you know, so it's like they have, don't, they don't officially have a position 
which they really, you know, like now it's not the time for them to be like, Catholic should be on YouTube or Catholic should not be on, you know, like they don't, we, they don't weigh on everything. But um, when it comes down to it, it's like it, it, it is needing to be a debate within, you know, Catholic circles to say like, do we just abdicate this space? Do we just leave it? Do we just leave it to be this wild west where there's no presence of Catholicism at all? And I think that's a real risk. But it's yeah, also yeah. a risk to who are we sending out there and how how are we preparing them for that for that world? I have an immensely thick skin. You can say anything you want to me. I'm probably going to laugh. That is usually my response. It has been since I was a kid. People, you know, like remember like when you're like young boys and you just try to like diss each other and stuff like that? You just try to come up with the most insulting stuff to say. I would laugh and people like I don't know why the bullies would get frustrated at me because it's like I just I find humor in everything. It's a gift that I have that I know that it's not ever something that everybody has. And so that is something literally I always kind of chew on. I'm glad we can actually talk about it because like you would I send anybody out to represent, you know, the church on an online, you know, in an online space. I would I think there I would love to see some kind of program, you know, some kind of program to prepare people for what and how we should engage with the culture in an online space because your quick worded tweet is not going to convert anybody. Your snappy little like, haha, you know, da, 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 or just da, 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 like it doesn't help. It doesn't help. And that's, I got to, you know, tone in, you know, like the, the frustration and anger. It's like, it's not helping. I always, when people try to debate me on Twitter and things like that, I always say, Hey, if you want, let's hop in a discord phone call because at least with an audio or even like if it's a video phone call, like we can at least see each other for humans. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is like, anyway, so I have, <laughs> I have all these like compartmentalized thoughts about social media as a whole, because I wish there was a curriculum. Mm -hmm. I wish there was like, Hey guys, let's sit here and talk about how we engage on social media and the, that it's fake and it's not real, you know? And it's like, okay, you know, like there's these things that I, as a parent, I'm trying to develop that curriculum with my kids, right? You know, in that regards. So anyway, that's a that's a long answer to a question that I forgot. <laughs> no, that no, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah, I, something that I would love to maybe get your um, thoughts on, especially as kind of me and Matt being content creators in a way. Um, you are. Is how do you know what to post and what not to post, even though you have this whole bank of content and whether you decide to you know do it on tiktok or whatever type of form or or, or medium that you want to use and you have all this great content uh so like it's it, as a not like not thinking as a as a catholic and whatnot my my typical strategy comes into terms of what's going to give value to the viewer again like if you factor in it's not about me but mm -hmm. what good thing can i give to somebody free what free good thing can i give you right and if you start with that mindset then it just becomes a question about how can then people discover that free gift that i've i've created for them and that's essentially where if you go and analyze my content you'll see that sometimes there's hot topics to talk about sometimes i'm just engaging in the discourse that is happening within gaming culture and gaming culture is a passionate group and there's things mm -hmm. that are good and there's things that are bad I will actively, and you'll see this, you'll see like I'll I'll engage in that conversation 
I'll put my thoughts out there. If it requires a follow-up, I'll do it with where I pull in comments and things like that. And then I will step away from that. Yes, I could chase the views. Yes, I know I could go post another thing that would get more views and get more subscribers and get more growth. But I don't think it's that's the kind of community that I end up wanting to build. And maybe I'm wrong, right? Like maybe this should have all been a race to getting 5 million subscribers and then just be like, and I made it. Now I can do what I want. And I was like, no, like at the end of the day, I, 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 I get frustrated when I see people do that. I don't engage with that. I'm not, you know, somebody who's a part of the, any of those communities when you see that kind of thing happens, just general curiosity. But then you'll see me kind of going back to that. Like, I like making content. Like, ultimately, I love to be a teacher, but I just I have five kids and I, I don't know how I could afford that <laughs> uh, on a salary of a teacher. So uh, ultimately, like, you know, like, hey, okay, how can I take that passion that I have for teaching and just continue that. So it's like, I will post, post. Okay, that's really good. This is what I want to talk about. This is what I think would be really good for people. This is what I want to share. And so I usually then defer back to kind of news and guides. And I, and if you ever go look at the views, you'll see things that just have like, you know, massive views, it goes up and I'll just post something. I, I know it's not going to do well, but I think it's just, it's important to, to have out there either. But it's, it, when I post the, those gifts, they are searchable, right? Like I think of it in terms of somebody's asking a question, Here's, here's an answer to that. And the same, that's what I've encouraged like some of my other friends that are Catholic and they make, you know, content, like even Taylor, I was like, you get asked kinds of questions about like, you know, uh, about being Catholic. Why do, why do Catholics believe X? Why do, you know, like name the video that, answer the question, let me know if you have any questions and then just leave, you know, boom, boom, boom. Uh, and so that's kind of what I defer to, right? I defer to that. And, and you know, content creation is an ebb and flow. If you, I also think of, it as a product. I, I think of every video as a, as a product so that it's not personal to me. Right. So that when I get a lot of dislikes because people just don't like truth in my opinion, like, it's like, guys, like I get that you're mad, but let's just talk about this reasonably. And then, you know, reason and logic are really a welcoming, you know, thing because people are emotion, you know, content creation is an emotion engine. It's an engine derived off that. It's also, uh, I think, um, um, there's the guy who played Robin in the Batman movies. So why am I drawing him? Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, huh. He talked oh, about huh. how, uh, like, uh, it's all like Twitter's like an attention machine, right? Like, you are getting attention and you're giving attention, and its product is attention, right? And so you can get absorbed in those aspects, and those are all dangerous things if if left unchecked. And so, when it comes down to the emotion engine of social media. You have to recognize that you're having emotional conversations with people. And so that need, you need to have that, that if you have that recognition, uh, you can be empathetic or you can take an opportunity to practice to be empathetic because I think it's empathy is muscle. You have to practice to kind of work. I, you know, my wife, I would say she's naturally empathetic, but still like she is, you know, that's something she practices, right? Uh, I, I'm not so much, but having five kids has made me more empathetic. And so, because I have to practice it all the time, because at some point, like, you know, get up, dust it off works. And sometimes it doesn't. That's <laughs> so like, all right, like, okay, like, how do we handle it? And it's always, you know, you kind of evaluate, but, um, so that's kind of, that's my strategy. It's like, I, I really like to focus in on trying to give somebody something of value and having obviously it searchable. So it's not like, here's this gift and I've titled it something completely different. It's, I try to think on how are people asking these questions, right? And you can, there's tools out there, like Google Trends is a really good way. Like, oh, okay, 
what are people searching about Final Fantasy 14? Oh, okay, here's some things. Either I have videos that that hit those points, or I need to make videos that hit those points. And so within gaming, like you can go sit here and say, like, well, what are people needing? And one of the things I see a lot of content creators or a lot of potential content creators who never make content, because I see a lot of people like, hey, I'm thinking about starting. You know, what should I do? It's like, take the knowledge you have and share it. And they're like, oh, people already know what I know. No, they don't. That's the biggest myth. They're like, people know what I know. It's like, no, they don't. Like, you got to tell people and people will find it. And that's what you do. And so that's my strategy when it comes down to it, if that makes sense. Do you have any follow-up questions about that? Because I could, I could share, I could share all kinds of data with you guys if you need. No follow-ups. Got it. No, no. I was, <laughs> I was trying to play the. So when when JB and I uh, started, we were we were in person doing a lot of our conversations. Right. That's that's the background from this is that we would just have dinner and drink beer and then just talk for two right. hours in my apartment. Right. And then we decided. Hey, let's record. So a lot of our stuff was body language. So that's, that's exactly, I, I knew exactly what we were both doing. We were both looking at each other, trying to read the body language, but the screen yeah. does not help. So that's a whole other level no, that we yeah. have to practice. Body language, <laughs> body language is huge, man. Like in person conversations, I think just have a better natural flow. And what, what I actually, when I bring people on my podcast, I'm always like, guys, I'm Italian. You gotta cut me off. I will not do <laughs> ever just jump in because that's how conversations have in my family. Gotcha. People just jump in, but there's a, like, you also like you lose that in this, in this medium, Exactly. you know? So okay. I end up having a, I run the risk of usually just continuing to talk until I see somebody either jump in or, or physically prepare to jump in. And then I'm like, okay, finish the thought. So gotcha. Gotcha. No, yeah. no, you're all good. Uh, what the so like the the segue to to the follow up still talking about this idea of of content creation but now um, I kind of want to hone in on, on specifically maybe like uh, video game content creation okay. is kind of like how does um, a Catholic perspective kind of dialogue with the gaming industry and with the gaming community like what what does that what does bringing that Catholic perspective to that space um, uh, how does that, how does, cause I, I, and I, especially what you like talking about, um, this idea of social media and, and, and dialogue and how really social media wasn't built as dialogue. Just like where you're talking about the, the hyper expression of emotions where like reason and logic aren't inherent to it, that you have to try even harder through social media, through these platforms to express. Yeah, you have to, get, you got to get to reason and logic through emotion, right? Right. right. And through empathy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where we see that disconnect is that people will make an emotional argument and then people will counter it with a logical argument and that just doesn't, it's oil and water, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not that you're making, you're making a bad logical argument. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that you're talking to somebody who doesn't need that thing to hug, mm -hmm. you know? And you can't give them a hug virtually, right? You know, in that regard. So ultimately that's where the there's a the friction in social media and that's where you see the drama and it's interesting because then that gets reported on which is fascinating and which drives views like all the all the day it's like how can these big companies profit off of us but um when it comes to the catholic perspective of video games and how i cover it i think it gives me a, an inherent balance an inherent like reasoning of that it isn't the end of the world that a game has a bug or it isn't, you know, like I can I can approach things 
with a sense of joy and a sense of peace and a sense of like, you know, and especially as an engineer, like as a programmer who studies and make, you know, I've made a couple of, uh, you know, hobbied uh, games myself. And, uh, you know, it's like having a knowledge of like, okay, like you're seeing an issue and I'm telling you from experience, that's an 18th month turnaround to fix this problem. So let's set a context of it's not going to be fixed tomorrow or the next day. And, that, and guess what? It's okay. And it's also a context of trying not to wish your life away. I can't wait till that game comes out in two years. There's plenty of stuff to do in two years, man. Like there's a lot of good games I'd recommend to you right now that you can kind of dive in. It's great to be excited, but don't wish two years away just so you can get to this release date for a game you've never played and don't know if it's good. But you think it's good because you built it up in your mind that it's going to be the perfect game, which ultimately now will let you down. The best game Cyberpunk tend to be the 2077. <laughs> I'm worried about I'm worried about the uh, the folks that are really behind the upcoming game Ashes of Creation. Mm -hmm. Looks promising. I'm excited for it. I'll wait when it's ready. I'll be you know I'll go play it. But I'm people continue to tell me that it's going to be the be all end all, and I'm like let's let's temper that expectation. Okay, Honestly, yeah. think it's going to suck, and then if it doesn't, then everybody wins. It's the same approach I take with movies. Yeah. Like, if the movie doesn't stab me with a knife, then it's a good movie. Like, <laughs> I'm a horrible movie critic, in a way. Like, I have very low expectations for movies, but I love movies. I always just go in and be like, let's see what this is about. Hey, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Like, there's only been, like, a handful of movies that I walked out, and I was like, ah, I'm done with this one. Didn't stab me with a knife, but it pretty much, you know, as close as you can. I'm like, I'm out of this thing. I, I can't even finish this one. Anyway, but um, yeah. no, I think it gives the, uh, I don't know, it gives me that sense. Like, you know, when you look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's, you know, uh, I think there's a sense of patience, you know, a sense of peace that with anything, it's a game, you know, and humans were, I think we're made to play games. Like it's video games aren't new. They're just a new expression of the thing that we love, which is games. Uh, we've been playing games, I think, ever since the Garden of Eden. Like, we've been playing games, and it's these sets of rules and these things that we we build and these these worlds that we build, and it's something that's inherent to who we are. And video games are an interesting extension of that because it allows us to reach and connect to more people than ever before. It allows us to interact with people who we never may, may, may have interacted with. And I think that's a real opportunity for the church's evangel evangelization, right? To be able to you know, be somebody, be a friend, you know, uh, and, and to, and to reach uh, all kinds of the world. That's actually one of the really cool things about the internet. Um, you know, so it's like, there are these gifts, there's are these opportunities and it's really good to see. Like when I look at the positives of COVID is that I've been able to see mass streamed and, and be able to go into father Mike Smith's mass, you know, on Sunday or go to the diocese of Denver or be able to go and check out all of this and to have that reach a bigger audience, especially for outside of when things may, you know, who knows when they return back to normal. I'm not sitting here mm -hmm. thinking it's going to be, you know, may, maybe it's, you know, a year from now, maybe it's 20 years from now. Like we don't really know. Um, but to see that uh, it's brought the, the church more online and that we can reach more people when we do get back to normal, like for those who can't, like for the, for those with agoraphobia or for those who physically can't get out of church or get to church, like, there is now this great gift of we've got that technology figured out. We are present online. You can still attend mass, even if you can't attend mass. And what a gift that is. I remember being in the hospital after one of my kids was born 
and they had the the, the Eucharistic the extraordinary ministers going around uh, giving communion, and it was great. I was like, we were like, we were, we were able to receive communion and hold our baby. You know, it was like this. It was a really great gift, and I was really happy for that ministry. Obviously, that hasn't been going on. We've had kids during this pandemic, and that has been shut down, and I did miss that. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like I, I get it. We got to do what we got to do, and I think that I'm very like that is a real positive. It's, it's really, I think, brought the church into a space that it's needed to be in. And I really hope that they remain in that space. For sure. For sure. For sure. sure. And so going into kind of the practicals as we slow down and take all of these great nuggets and turn them into, I don't know, stone bread. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Stone bread sounds good. (laughs) Um, one of the questions so i'm about to hop onto like uh, i'm about to play some Warzone in a couple okay, minutes nice. Nice. and um obviously i'm not going to go yell out to like 12 year old who just like killed me in the gulag but that's going to be on halo it, infinite it, after this i'll do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, halo infinite's so good and the monetization <laughs> of it or the uh progression system is so bad <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I need a Slayer playlist. And honestly, that, that would be the one fix that all I care about. Like, it, they can have a bad progression system. That doesn't bother me. But the, the fact that I have to, like, I like objective type in Halo, mm-hmm. but a mm-hmm. lot of people don't. And they have now put all those people who don't like objective types into my objective type who don't play the objective at all. And thus, it's just like the longest matches in history. Uh, and so it's like, all right. And then eventually you get Slayer, and then it's like, oh, that was a fun seven-minute or eight-minute match. That was great. All right, now it's Capture the Flag. I guess we'll be here for 30 minutes. Mute all. all. That's it. You just got to mute, yeah, mute all. I wish I could mute all for default. Like, let's go. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you are about to ask a question, JB. Yeah, you know, it's basically how can I evangelize in that space when I am getting destroyed and being very frustrated with uh, my lack of a good KD ratio. Uh, you don't. What you do is then you go and sit down and you make guides and you kind of break down the mechanics of the game and you teach people how to play and uh, and then you just continue to build that up. The live stream is a great time to have those conversations outside of those KDs. So essentially you build an audience and a community uh, that enjoys your content because you've given them something and then they're going to come hang out with you. And it's then in, in those conversations, then you can sit here and yeah, maybe you have frustration and then you can say, gosh, I'm sorry, guys, I lost my temper. Forgive me, Jesus, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the moment isn't to sit here and, you know, proselytize uh, at that. Like you are an entertainer in that in that particular space. Become a teacher and use content creation tools that are there. So you should be taking those clips and moments and create something enjoyable that somebody might be able to enjoy while they're, you know, like waiting on a bus or, or traveling on, a, you know, like to and fro. But you really should take the, 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 the passion you have for that and just share people the information about it. How does this gun feel? How does it fire? What are, you know, what are some good situations? Where did I go wrong? Like, let's let even analyze the times that I got beat and I can say, show you how I got outplayed. Like, so that way you can kind of start teaching people the map. You do that, people are going to discover your content. They're going to come hang out with you and it's going to open you up. You're going to, you know, listen to the Holy Spirit and it will open you up to moments in which that you can share the faith. Uh, you're not going to sit here and, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, you leave a Jesus tag, you know, like, that doesn't, it doesn't resonate, right? Like, there's no meat to it, right? Like, you don't sit here, like, people need to be fed, right? So, take the, take the, you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, food, right? You know, the meal. What is the meal? The meal isn't your live stream. 
your live stream is after you've eaten and you're just kind of hanging out at the table and you've been fed and it's these conversational opportunities. The meal isn't the live stream. The, the meal is the, is the, you know, the discoverable value driven content that you make that people find while you're offline that helps them improve their game or teaches them about the game or tells them about what's changed with this update. Like it's, it's really like you got to just get down to stop thinking that people already know that, or they're already getting that from another source. They're going to the big sources because the big sources are big, but they might not have a real relationship with them. Engage with them, talk with them, get to know them. It's a relational ministry one-on-one and you got to understand the difference in the medium. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. No, Brian, that was awesome. And as we kind of um, start to wrap up here, one, those are, are incredible um, practical. So I can't wait to uh, watch JB's newfound uh, YouTube uh, content um, as he gets to play Warzone. And then maybe I'll do a commentary over it and I'll say all the bad you things can. that you did. <laughs> oh, man, JB. Please. <laughs> when, um, did you, why didn't you? you know like and like it can always be the, the most simple things Warzone's very popular mm. very popular you know and there's a lot of opportunities talk to talk to uh, parents of, of kids playing this game right like hey here's what's on the store you know like you make sure you have you don't have your credit card hooked up to this <laughs> you might end up getting a big bill if you're not careful you know there's lots of opportunities with any game to really kind of reach a community and reach people and I think and so as long as you go on that that aspect of like you know the gift that you give them and you, you have to give that because you can't, uh, you know, like I, you know, I don't know if you, if you've got a family yet, JB, but at some point you're going to have a lot of responsibility, a lot of things that you need. A live stream is a lot of fun, but it should be an event. And a lot of people treat it like as this, I got to always be live because that's what they see other people on Twitch do. And they see all these people on Twitch that are streaming eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. Those people are getting paid millions of dollars to do that, and you are not. Why are you doing that? What you need to be doing is, you, like, you can use your live stream to help generate content, but that content is what needs to be giving, uh, helping you get discovered, and that you can let YouTube work that for you. Uh, it's it's the work smarter, not harder model. If you're not having discoverable content created on YouTube, uh, you will burn out. And no one will ever know of your stream. And you'll be one of those people like, yeah, I tried it. It didn't work out for me. 100%. It will happen no matter what. If you create discoverable content, people will find your content that you've now given them something. They, you know, and without everything, and they might come back, they might not, but that's up to them. You will grow and then people will be a part of your stream and your community. And that's, that's the one one And you know how I know that so perfectly? Because I've done it five times. No, you know, per perfect segue. I was going to ask I've, Brian, I've like, where, where, oh. um, where can we find, um, and all of our listeners find your communities, um, find yeah. kind of the content. Where the where can they do a deep dive on Brian? So, um, my main my main channels mm -hmm. uh, are all kind of branded around me now. So I created a channel with my buddy Chris. That's how we got started, mm -hmm. and it's called Worth the Game, and that is. Uh, we quickly realized that people didn't know what that channel was because we were just kind of throwing everything at it. And we always wanted it to be a discussion around video games channel. And it is that now, like if anybody comes into the channel, they should not be shocked by the content there. But there was a period of time where it's like, you might get me, you might get him, you might get us both. 
you might get a guide, you might get news, like you, like you might get all these things. And it was really like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, we're just throwing everything. It helped us grow and get discovered. Uh, but essentially what we ended up doing was I went and created some additional channels, some of what I call my channels. So I created a Ginger Prime. Uh, that is my main channel that I publish to typically daily. Uh, I'll cover news, uh, you know, what's going on in the industry, uh, you know, my thoughts on like if there's a hot topic, but generally it's also post guides. And I have all my thumbnails color coded so you can see from a thumbnail, like you, once you kind of understand the color coding scheme, which is pretty basic, like blue is guides, yellow is news, green is opinion. You know, it's like that way you can kind of get an idea of what you like to watch if you like to watch it um, on that content. And then I created a, a podcast channel that's Ginger Gaming Radio, and that's a separate channel as well. Then I have Fat Dad, Fit Dad, which is my kind of vlogging weight loss uh, journey. Uh, and I also kind of post like parents, you know, guides and thoughts around video games over there. Uh, and then I've got, um, man, I have the one second. Let me just hit the drop down list here. Uh, see here. Uh, we got uh, Ginger Prime Shorts, which is like a shorts clip channel. Uh, that is being fed by you know podcasts and it's being fed by live streams. I've got Prime University, which is a, uh, a channel that I use to help teach people content creation. I, I say I also want to do coding education there. I just haven't, I don't have a lot of you know a lot of time. So I kind of maybe bit off a little bit more than I could chew with that. But one, two, three, four, five. So I got five of my own channels. I got Work to Game, Work to Game TV. So and those are shared. And then I got um, uh, we have the Twitch channel as well. I've got a Facebook channel. I'm a Facebook uh, leveled up creator. I make exclusive videos over there over on Ginger Prime Gaming on Facebook. And um, um, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I have all of these outlets and, uh, and it all starts with like, I created Ginger Prime because people kept asking me, how do they, how do you get into it? And I kept telling them what I just told you and they, nobody ever did it. They would just, thanks. I'm going to keep doing the streaming thing and then quit. And it's like, okay, like, they, they see the big guys and they're like, oh, I'll, I'll do that. And it's like maybe one out of a, a billion people are just going to start hitting go live and it all of a sudden become the next biggest thing. It is possible, but it's the same odds as winning the lottery, if not worse. Mm. I think, you know, I was like, I took my method of what I just saw, discover how work to game grew and I applied it to Ginger Prime without really telling the work to game community and without even creating the same content around the same games. And I grew and I, and one month I was like, so like I was, I only did this, it's only been coming up on two years now and we're over fit, we're almost to 55,000 subscribers on that channel. And, uh, and that was, you know, we had a big year this year. I think I started at 20. So it's like, it's just, you know, it's just growing and this is awesome. Nice. It, it feels great. Like, I, I'm not gonna lie. It feels great to have this awesome community and they, they support me. Mm -hmm. Um, and they watch my videos and they, they say they like them and I'm like, this is great. <laughs> No, good. Yeah, we're hoping that after this, you'll get another surge. <laughs> I hope so. That'd be amazing. Come on over, guys. Let's talk about, like, I, I love RPGs, and I'd love to do some Halo videos and stuff like that, but we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. You know, like, again, um, it ties into, like, I don't have to be, I don't have to cover every video game. You know, it, it's a lot of work. It ends up being a lot of work, and it's, it, I don't need that stress. I, I, I like it because it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And it should be. And if it's not enjoyable, I shouldn't do it. You know, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. This was an awesome conversation. It's one that I know JB and I have been wanting to do for a while, um, especially about our own love for video games. But then, uh, like you said, to be able to talk about that compared with um, just this Catholic perspective has been uh, really fun. So thanks so much. Thanks, guys. It was a real pleasure. And also be sure to subscribe and rate this in the show. Five-star ratings uh, and leave us a review. It really helps grow the podcast.
couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs>